Hey friends, we got a great, great episode today. Um, I've got a couple of special guests with me, but uh, basically we're going to talk Bible. We're going to talk Hebrew. Um, we're going to talk some important stuff just about culture and uh, basically why it's important to believe in the Bible, Why what the Bible has to say, what a proper understanding of the Bible has to say about how we address the outside world. So hang in there and we're going to start right now. And as we get going, I want to uh, introduce, first of all, uh, the guest that I have in studio with me. He's a great friend of mine. Uh, we uh, actually work a shift together at the YMCA. Yes, I do a, a work a shift at the YMCA. And uh, this is my, my good friend here, Larry Trembitis from, uh, where, where do you hail from, Larry? Niles, Ohio. Niles, Ohio. All right, man. Hey, yeah. yeah, there's your uh, there's your applause. That's it. And uh, tell us something special about yourself, man. Once a dragon, always a dragon. <laughs> That's the uh, the Niles the, the Niles mascot, dragons. right? Yeah. Okay. Yes. And uh, so um, yeah, so tell us uh, tell us about the beard. Well, uh, I I had been going to a um, a messianic. Uh, community. Okay. And uh, we were doing a lot of study. As a matter of fact, a lot of the study I uh, had picked up also from the parishes that uh, our guest and Nehemia okay. had done okay. uh, every week. And uh, I more and more I got into it, the more and more we were getting into the celebration of the feasts and understanding more and more of the Hebrew culture yeah. uh, connected to uh, the Bible. And I uh, got into a section that uh, got into uh, uh, parts of uh, understanding what sacrifice was. And, okay. Uh, how to uh, uh, put forth a, uh, a meaningful uh, confession to God and in the process uh, show him how sincere you were. And I saw that uh, there was an actual process uh, that they celebrated in the temple and uh, they actually would uh, make commitments to not drink yeah grow their hair for so long okay okay and yeah. so it was sort of like kind a, of nazarite or yes okay Naz oh, well we love it man it it, uh, it won you over so that's yes, that's the main thing over. i do have one other special guest in studio with me today and this is actually his first time on my show believe it or not the one and only jake 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 platt there he is so so excited to have you here kiddo um, and then here. <laughs> that, that brings me to uh, basically our, our main guest for the day. He's actually joining us via Skype and so excited to have him on the show. Uh, we recently met through our Sinai trip that we went on, and that is the one and only Keith Johnson. So here's Keith. Keith, you can't hear the applause, but we just gave you some studio, studio <laughs> applause here. All right. Hey. AJ, I now know the secret. You work at the YMCA. That's why you're in such great shape. You and Spider-Man, man. You guys are climbing I'm like, I knew there was something. I had to figure out what it yes, was. Yes, yes. Me, me and Spider-Man, yes. Yep. Yeah. He, he works out there quite a bit as well. I'm, I'm proud of this young man here. But, uh, but Ke So Keith and I met. We, we met on, uh, on this tour that we went on with uh, Discovered Sinai and Andrew Jones to, uh, to Saudi Arabia. Uh, Jake and I, of course, did the first piece where we went to Egypt and, you know, saw the Red Sea crossing from that side at Nueva. And then we went to uh, went over to Saudi Arabia and that was where we met you. 
And uh, I've I've seen a few of your your shows, I guess, on uh, uh, you know on on YouTube, and I just I was really impressed with your I guess your knowledge of Hebrew and and uh, um, you know your your take on culture and and things like that and the importance of of scripture and the Bible. And uh, so I just thought, yeah, I, I want to try to get this guy on the show and talk to him and see what you might have to say to our audience. So, uh, but I, I wanted to. Um, before we start, I wanted to plow into some of that stuff. I wanted to, uh, I wanted you to explain the nickname that you have for Jake and uh, why you gave him that name. Mm-hmm. Well, for those who haven't seen uh, any of the pictures, I'm sure you must have put up some pictures, some video, et cetera. It was an amazing experience. I wasn't planning on going to Saudi Arabia. I was actually leading a tour in Israel. Uh, I've done that about I don't know, 10, 12 times through our, our ministry, BFA International, Biblical Foundations Academy International. And as I was over there, uh, we were there during the time of the fall feast. Larry, your, your guest, was talking about the fall feast. One of them, which is considered to be the holiest day of the year in Israel, is, is Yom Kippur. And so we were there uh, leading a prayer and pilgrimage, a prayer pilgrimage in Israel. And as we were in prayer, this is kind of weird. Uh, uh, at the evening of after Yom Kippur, one of the couples come to me and say, Keith, uh, we've been praying, and we want to know if you'd be willing to go with us to the mountain of God. Like, what, what are you talking about? Well, would you go with us to Saudi Arabia? I said, when? And they said, next week. <laughs> wow. So that was like a really quick, I mean, kind of an abrupt oh, uh, 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 trip planning there. It was a shock. And wow. I, I, I called my wife, Andrea, and, and checked a couple things and had the time, exactly the time that I needed. Uh, United Airlines didn't charge me anymore. I got to Tabuk. To with you and with Jake, and and that was all cool because here you got the. I love the whole father son thing. I've got three sons. I used to take them everywhere. So when yeah. I saw you and your son, I thought, wow, this is great. We got the father son thing going on. <laughs> uh, I'm I'm not knowing anybody other than this couple that invited me, and I just met them on my tour. But when we got there, uh, we started doing this thing called climbing mountains. And your son, <laughs> uh, put his picture up. Where is he there? AJ. Uh, I call him Spider Man because literally. And I'm not exaggerating. It's like he had this stuff that come out of his hand. Like he'd go, whoosh. And the next thing I know, he'd be swinging to the next cliff. And yeah, the next yeah. Cliff and- I, I, <laughs> swinging so to the next I cliff. I actually, um, uh, I, I showed the picture just, just a minute ago of, of the split rock, which, which is, it's yeah. monstrous. I mean, it's huge. It's not just some little, you know, yeah, kind of, there. yeah, huge. garden stone or something like that. It's, it's massive. It's, it's like a 200 feet high. You got to climb up this huge, it takes you like 15 minutes to climb this pedestal. It takes Jake like five minutes to climb the pedestal. <laughs> and, uh, but he, he was doing the Spider-Man thing in between the split rock. Um, exactly. I, I was shooting a video at the base and I, I pointed back there and I could see somebody doing that. <laughs> And uh, I knew I knew right w- right away it was him, but uh, uh, but he, yeah, it was it was a lot of fun. I did hear you call him the goat one time yeah. as well, and of course, yeah, my mind of all time. I've been on a lot of different tours. I've been yeah. a lot of different places. Been around the world. Never seen anything like your son. Yeah. Never. <laughs> I, I, I was thinking mountain goat. I, that's what, I was thinking mountain goat. That, that's that too. That, <laughs> <laughs> he, he can serve both. You, you can be both. <laughs> but that's great. Yeah, the greatest of all time. I love it. So, uh, so basically, um, what did this trip mean to you? I mean, seeing Sinai because I, I know for us it was just spectacular. I've told my audience quite a bit about it. And what did this trip mean to you to be able to go to see this stuff? Was it convincing when you saw it? Are you convinced this is the real Sinai? 
Oh, there's no question. Language, history, context, it fits everything. Uh, Tim Mahoney's doing an amazing uh, piece that's coming out pretty soon, the second part of the seven possibilities or six possibilities of Mount Sinai. And I'm pretty sure he's going to come to the conclusion that you and oh, well, certainly I've come to many other people come to. But the thing about this trip for me was if you if you think about, uh, you know, we have something called uh, B.C. and A.D., so okay. we have before Christ and after his death. Is yeah. it split in time? For me, there's what's called uh, 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 B.S. and A.S. <laughs> there's before Sinai. And there's <laughs> yeah, but B.S. can mean something else when you're a teacher, you know. So yeah, you'll, you'll appreciate the whole. Larry will appreciate the whole B.S. part. So so before Sinai, I had a certain perspective of what was happening. But I had my own encounter there. I, I just have to say that on the mountain, as I was trying to chase you and your son uh, up to see the first thing, which was which was much, which was crazy, the whole going to Elijah's cave, that day was my meeting and my encounter where I just really got to the place where I just thought, you know, it's all about the Father. And you just can't, you just can't, the, the, you know, I got on the mountain, I just had that moment where I was like, okay, listen, I've been doing ministry for years. I've been a pastor all the things that you and I know about. But at that mountain, it was as if he called me to that place where you just get to the bottom, yeah. to the base. And since then, I've had quite a quite a wonderful journey and love to talk about that. But that's what Sinai meant for me is uh, that was a, 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 a touchstone, for literally touchstone. <laughs> literally, yeah, yeah. What, what did you think about, uh, I mean, I, I saw you on the, El, the, the plateau of the 70 elders, I think. Yeah. Uh, did, did you have a shofar there? Was that a, yeah, a shofar? Yeah, I actually bought a shofar in Saudi Arabia. It's funny. Uh, I, it made it there, made it to the, that, that place. I blew it, left it there, and now several people. In fact, right now there's a trip. Uh, that's that Dr. Miles Jones is there, uh, Brian, a guy that came with us. A lot of people are there. And actually, they've gone to the spot, gotten the shofar, and blown it. So we know that oh, at the you mountain. You stashed it away up there, huh? Absolutely. All right. I, I love it. I love it. I love it. That's fantastic. Yeah. Um, I know we had a lot of standout moments. Um, the Red Sea, you know, the, the parting of the Red Sea, that, that site too, I think was really interesting. Um, mm -hmm. we, we took some sand home and, uh, you know, gave it to some friends and stuff like that. But just uh, what was different about the whole Sinai experience for me than going to Israel? Because we continued on to Israel, and I'm sure you've been there before, but that was our first time. And was, it was just so less commercial than Israel was. It felt authentic. When we, when we were walking around Sinai, it felt like we were walking the footsteps of Moses, like we were seeing his altar, like we were, you know, in these places that they were, that were untouched. Uh, whereas when you go to Jerusalem, you're, you know, three or four or five levels on top of maybe the streets that Jesus walked on, um, except for the Sea of Galilee. I think when you're on the Sea of Galilee, you sort of have that feeling of Jesus walked on this water and, you know, that kind of a thing, you know, even though I'm sure it's, not exactly the same water by now. Um, you know, it, it just was a, it was just a different feeling altogether. For me, that piece of the whole thing, um, including Egypt, which would be on a lot of people's, you know, uh, uh, bucket list to, to visit, uh, the Sinai part was just, that was my highlight of, of the whole thing. Because we were gone for, for a whole month. We, Jake took the One. month off school and his teachers let him off and everything, so... Uh, yeah, just, just amazing. So, um, yeah. Uh, so you do have a, a connection with rude awakening now, and I see you, you know, increasingly you've got more and more, uh, video content on there. Uh, watched your Jonah series and, and I've seen you do your, um, y y you call them the 10 matters instead of the 10 commandments. 
Um, right. And uh, just I've, I've seen you more and more on there. Can you tell us a little bit about your connection with Rude Awakening? And maybe also, how is Michael Rude doing? Because I know that yeah, uh, he actually, had a stroke it's connected, to your, it's connected to your question about uh, in 2002 is when I first met Michael. I went to Israel, and that's a long story within itself. But about two and a half years ago, he had two strokes. Uh, wow. uh, one that was in, I think, September. They thought he was going to get better, and that was in 2020. And then, and then later he had a more major stroke and literally that put him down and, uh, they didn't know what was going to happen with him. And so, uh, a number of teachers were asked to come in and to help. And I was more than willing to go in and help. And so for two and a half years now, since Passover 2021, uh, I have been doing whatever I can do to help while he's getting better. In fact, I just saw him yesterday, uh, two days ago, okay. he's doing better and they're doing a Passover event this year that's online. Uh, people can go to a uh, rude awakening Passover event. Michael will be there. A number of teachers, Dr. Jones will be there after he's been to Saudi Arabia. Uh, I'll be teaching there. And so we, we, the, the, the reason I have been doing what I've been doing, people have seen me so much is because he was key to my own journey. Uh, the way he, uh, invited me in 2002 to spend time with him in Israel, actually. Um, and, and then now he, in his need, I thought, you know, everything I could do to help him, and so I'm actually kind of bringing that to a bit of a close now after Passover, because then I'm going to be leading a trip to Israel and have another a number of things that I'm working on personally. But it's been a blessing to be supportive of him uh, as he's getting better. And like I said, he is getting better. But it was a it was a major, major uh, medical <laughs> crisis. For yeah, Michael. yeah, and yeah. They've done a phenomenal job of keeping the ministry going. You can tell I've seen him on the show a couple of times there, and it reminded me of my father who had a stroke my senior year in high school, and it was a it was a pretty bad stroke that he had. My father yeah. never fully recovered from it. I could kind of relate with just the mm-hmm. you know all of all of what he's going through there. Um, but uh, yeah, so I mean we're you know we're glad to see you. I guess uh, getting more and more uh, of the spotlight there, and and uh, I think God's you know uh, maybe showcasing a little bit of your your giftedness and. Um, well, I know. would say this, AJ, uh, to be honest, I, like I said, it, it, one of the things I've really been careful about is that I, I really believe that um, what A Root Awakening has done, and Larry's a good example, maybe he can talk about that, but Michael has been, Michael's been one of those people who's a great person to kind of get eyes open, shake up some stuff. He's done that for years, uh, for decades. Yeah. Uh, I call him the matador of the ministry. <laughs> he, <laughs> you know, he'll, he'll grab the bulls by the horn, and so in many, in many ways he he really has helped a lot of people be awakened to what some of the issues are. Yeah. And so it's just been an honor to come alongside to help them during yeah. this time. What, what do you think, Larry? What's your experience with Michael Rood? I know it's it was back in the 80s that yeah, you was, had exposure to him. It was one of my first experiences with uh, uh, somebody outside of the area here. Okay. And, yeah, he was like the, to me, the... Uh, Shock jock of uh, the messianic. <laughs> shock jock, the matador right, shock jock. Right. So yeah, he uh, he had the polemics and he had the understanding and, and would put it to people without you know holding any punches. Yeah, so. yeah. Uh, one of his, one of my most interesting things that he he brought to my attention um, is his set his interpretation of the seventy weeks of ministry of Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually found that to be a little fascinating because. Um, well, number one, there was a few problematic things in the Gospels in terms of how you do them. He, he wrote his whole chronological Gospels um, mm-hmm. in terms of order, order of events, things like that, you know, which it just doesn't seem like the Gospel writers had that concern, I guess, that we have today. Um, mm-hmm. But but I, I thought that was fascinating, that Jesus, that was the first place that I heard that, was that Jesus only had a 70-week ministry, 
instead mm-hmm. of a three and a half year ministry, typically like you're taught, um, you know, in churches and in seminary and that kind of thing. Um, you know, so that, that for me was a little bit of a, uh, it was, I, I found it interesting, you know, I, I mean, I guess I just found it interesting and fascinating, a little bit of a game changer for me. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so, uh, Keith, tell me a little bit about your passion for Hebrew, because I know from watching you, uh, mm-hmm. that you get this, uh, fire in your eyes when you're talking about Hebrew and mm-hmm. you start dissecting the language and, um, and, and you've got a real passion for it. So tell me a little bit about that, how you like got so interested in the Hebrew language and um, I guess, you, you know, why you have the passion and how you feel like a knowledge of that might maybe benefit other people. Yeah, there's two things about that. First of all, you and I have a similar path. We both went to seminary. I went to Trinity Evangelical Divinity School. You okay. went to a, Reform Semin- a Presbyterian yeah. Seminary. Is that yep. right? Yep. Yep. In Pittsburgh. And in both of those, the curriculum included both Greek and Hebrew. Now, in, in Trinity, the, the, there was more focus on Greek. Uh, Hebrew was just about a one-year process. And I just remember the first time I went into a Hebrew course, I, I, I'm actually an unchurched guy. So I didn't become a Christian until I was about 15 years old. I didn't have a church background. I was in inner-city ministry with kids and realized I couldn't teach them much if I learned myself. So I agreed at a, a later age. And I had two kids at that time with my wife. We moved to Illinois, went to Trinity. And I remember walking into my Hebrew class, and Dr. Salehammer was the teacher, and he stood up and he started writing what looked like Klingon to me. (laughs) And he wrote it the wrong way. And I thought, what the heck is that? And come to find out, uh, this is the language that God chose to reveal his word, the Hebrew language. And as I I was going through that course, AJ, um, I I was intrigued. I actually took a personal uh, course where I could do an individual reading. And it's really funny. I went to Dr. Salehammer and I said, hey, listen. I've got some extra credits here. I want to do an individual study here. Can I can I study with you Hebrew? And he said, yeah, well, what do you want to read? And this is a true story. Larry's going to love this. Okay. He said, so what would you like to start? And I thought, um, let's do the, the first five books. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Having no idea, AJ, the first five books actually has its own like yeah. world. Yeah, yeah, the world. Pentateuch, yeah. So I'm reading through the first five books of uh, of uh, uh, the Bible in Hebrew, and I finished the course, and then I did what most pastors do, try to impress people every once in a while with a word study. Here <laughs> right, there. right, yes, yes. Yeah, I've, I've had a few never, people zone out in my time when I was doing yeah, that. Yeah. Never really yeah. getting into it until 2002 when I was in Israel. Long story, but I got there, and really God just started getting a hold of me regarding the importance of his time, his Torah, and his name, and in that was the opportunity to try to understand language history and context. And there's nothing better if you're going to open your Bible than understanding what's original. Because no matter how hard we try, there are just some times that you cannot communicate in a different language what the original language was. Yeah. So we've got this huge book. A part of it, we've got the New Testament. And a part of it is the, is the Tanakh, the Old Testament, that some people call it. And all of that originally was written in Hebrew. So uh, I just I just got passionate about that in 2002 and decided that I needed to dive in. And as a result of that, um, I actually created a curriculum free for people that they can they learn some biblical Hebrew. If you want to share that with you later, but it, it really it really has changed my life and it's changed the ability for me to want to understand. And I love what you said in the beginning, AJ, about helping people be biblical and understand what the Bible says. Yeah. Well, of course, when you're looking at the original language, history, and context of Scripture, and, and that's uh, your that's kind of like your your saying, right? Language, yeah, history, history, and context, right? 
all three. You got to have all three. And, and if you don't, um, this is why we got 30,000 denominations. You know, one denomination will pick a verse and say, this is what we believe and we'll fight you if you don't believe it and kick yeah. you out if you don't agree. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know one of my things is you know, my, you know, having a son that's a teenager now and you see a lot of the stuff that's happening in culture. Obviously, our culture is moving away or has been moving away for a number of years and from uh, a biblical worldview, you know, a Judeo-Christian worldview. And so we've, we see the fruits of that really coming to full bloom uh, in America in particular and in the West, uh, you know, in, in Western civilization. But, um, you know, I, I'm optimistic that uh, the church will overcome and, and uh, you know, we're going to— um, uh, we don't have any reason to be afraid uh, ever, but um, you know. But but God wants us to. He wants us to to push in, and He wants us to press in, and He wants us to 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 be transformative agents out there. And so, like, I guess that's a, a question that I'd have for you when you're you know talking about this in Hebrew and understanding it. Um, how might it benefit people uh, that that are out there to to get this a little bit to get a. a to have a biblical worldview, to have a better understanding of, of Hebrew, the Hebrew language, you know, that, that kind of thing. Like, you know, well, I don't know like how controversial teaching. we get to be on your show here. Uh, it's uh, it's free reign. This is the non PC, non PC. Yeah. So, <laughs> you know, I think that what's happened uh, to be honest uh, is that we have become, uh, there's a, there's a scripture that says, do not be conformed to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Uh, you know, then you're going to know what God's will is. And I think that what's happened is that we've got so many more people that are focusing on things that are that are that are conforming their minds away from Scripture. And so one of the beauties of, of understanding a little bit of the Hebrew and understanding the language, history and context is that it gives you a chance to be reconformed, conformed, transformed differently. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's really where I found uh, there's real benefits to studying. And I, and I found ways to help people do that. So. Um, that's, that's really a, a key for me. Uh, when I open that book and think that God decided the creator of the entire universe, if, if it's true, <laughs> what the book says, the creator of the, the, the United, you know, the entire universe decided to, to give what's in his <laughs> being yeah. on paper for us to read, like, why wouldn't we want to understand it the way he gave it? Yeah. That's I think it's good, and, and why wouldn't we want others to have that same passion? I think about somebody well, like like Paul absolutely. in the New Testament who just yeah. yeah he was he was driven uh, to you know to to share Christ with people to share the good news of Christ and about God's kingdom and uh, you you can see how it transformed cultures and turned places upside down. Um, I think a lot of times when people hear the word gospel or they they think about people preaching Jesus, they just think of powder puff Jesus, soft Jesus. They don't they don't think of the, the transformative upheaval that true gospel uh, preaching will bring into a society. Um, and, you know, I think that's, that's kind of what we're hoping for. We're hoping that uh, to see more and more of that out there, a great place to start. What do you think about the, what do you think about the Hebrew versions of the new Testament books that uh, I know Nehemiah talks about quite a bit and, and Michael Rood has, demonstrated on his show those that was another kind of game-changing thing for me uh mm -hmm. learning that there there's a very hebrew element to the christian faith that you know it's really hard for us to get away from and and maybe that's maybe that's part of our problem today that we have disconnected from our origins a little bit mm -hmm. yeah the new testament you know we have we, there's more and more in the last 10 years uh, manuscripts that are being found all over places like the vatican 
uh, in Israel, all sorts of places where New Testament manuscripts are being found. Uh, some of them tend to be translations from Greek. Some of them are translations from other languages, which are translations from Greek. We've got some that are pretty clearly not translations from Greek. Actually, we do a show called Hebrew Gospel Pearls. We're dealing with like 28 manuscripts on the Hebrew Gospel of Matthew and going through verse by verse in that. Uh, but there are there are definitely uh, different ways that, of, of looking at uh, when you're looking at the Hebrew context, we got to remember just one thing. This this is the part that's hard for people to realize, is that there weren't any people that were writing the New Testament who didn't understand, who were not steeped in the Hebrew Bible. They were yeah. they were steeped in the Hebrew Bible. Paul himself says, you know, uh, <laughs> these are the oracles of God. What yeah, yeah, God? yeah, yeah. You know, all Scripture is God breathed. What Scripture was he talking about? So when we get to the New Testament, we got to remember contextually where that where the, that information is coming from, which was then put into Greek, and, and unfortunately, Greek sometimes, and you and I know this because we took these courses, yeah. uh, Greek is very technical, uh, it's very, very um, opposite of Hebrew in terms of its approach, it's more mathematical, <laughs> Hebrew is more artistic, so you're, you you got to do a lot of gymnastics to get from what a Hebrew concept is and put it into Greek, and so I believe the New Testament manuscripts that are coming forward help us understand, without taking away the importance of the Greek New Testament, as I call it, they're a second witness to what happens. And when you yeah. have those witnesses together, you can come up with some pretty amazing uh, thoughts, pretty amazing concepts uh, that match with all of Scripture. Yeah. And that's the I, I think it, it speaks, too, to maybe the, the fact that um, there were some things that uh, in becoming a predominantly Greek church, you know, then a Latin church, and now, you know, we speak many different languages. And that's good. I mean, I think it, I'm a fan of translating the Bible. Um, mm-hmm. into the common language but um but I think it it seems like maybe there were some maybe there were some things lost there uh, when I when I read the New Testament and and it seems to me that the main issue of that uh, whether it's Paul's epistles the book of Acts is the inclusion of the Gentiles into the people of God and you see this throughout Paul's letters you see how he's combating the Judaizers in places and I, I think it comes out in Philippians it even comes out in Ephesians you know in these these places where you wouldn't think, and and we're told this book was written to a Gentile audience. That's you know, if you read the the beginning of a um, a study Bible, it'll have little study notes about that particular book of the Bible. It'll tell you about it. This one was written to a, gen, a Gentile audience. This one was written to a Jewish audience, and da 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 da. But to me, I don't see that same delineation. I feel like these were mainly Jewish people who were turning the world upside down. And when I heard that some of these uh, gospels and other letters were turning up in Hebrew manuscripts. I wasn't surprised at all. I, I just, I just wasn't surprised. What's interesting, AJ, you have an, in your studio there, uh, probably in terms of thought, I bet you Larry thinks more like a first century person today than many of our people that we're reaching right now. So Larry having, having that, I, it's my understanding he's had a messianic background. What people don't realize is that in many ways, the messianic movement, the movement of the first century, we've, we've got groups of people who actually were able to maintain, uh, before we got to Western Christianity that sort of kind of split it up, that, that first century group of people, in many ways, I bet you Larry's the kind of guy who wants to get back to who, you know, what the first century believers were like. And in the first century, those believers, you couldn't look at them and say, oh, Christian, oh, Jew. You, you would look at them and say, oh, follower of Jesus. Right, of right, Jesus. right, and, right. And so... He's he's an example, and I I, I tossed the softball to him. Yeah. Any <laughs> any thoughts on that, Larry? Who's who, who who probably 
um, understands that even a little bit better because he's trying to live that out in 2023. First century Christianity. Yes. Uh, yeah. I think uh, I don't have the background, uh, scholastic background that you gentlemen have. Uh, I don't speak uh, Hebrew. I pick up Hebrew mostly the words from services that uh, we used and by, you know, reading the Stern Bible and uh, with the commentary. So I had a pretty good uh, understanding of uh, what the differences were between the different translations and even the Stern Bible. Then the deeper that uh, you start to dig into the uh, culture, into the history, you'll start to see that... uh, there were divisions themselves that uh, were being uh, brought into uh, the uh, what we know as the New Testament and uh, was probably completely going over the heads of the readers because they had no understanding of the uh, history of the sages and the rabbis and, right. and the thought and the discussions and the debates that were going back and forth and, and how uh, Yeshua seemed to, uh, you know, understand that and fall into a certain... Uh, a pathway that had been uh, developed before his coming the first time. Yeah, I, th- I think that's, uh, I, I know um, Larry's got a lot of experience too. I mean, at least studying philosophy as well. And uh, we're kind of of the same mindset that a lot of the philosophy that's kind of uh, starting to take shape, whether it's in, you know, socialistic governments and some of that stuff we see taking place in our culture today it's it's very um anti-god <laughs> and it yeah. goes against that culture that you yes. were just talking about but what's interesting right? now i think is that what what you see is even in the uh catholic in uh church uh the east and the west uh, coming together in their discussions and debates uh, some of the things that split those churches up in the beginning are starting to reunite them now to see, yeah. to find common grounds and understand that a lot of the concepts are concepts that were uh, had no business in separating people. If you would have sat down and come to certain conclusions on on what your belief structure was, and uh, I think we're going back in the direction more and more to where you know the east and west and uh, the movement from Jerusalem uh, out outside the country. Uh, you're going to start going back into first century uh, believers and how yeah. they related to uh, not only their culture and their history, but you know, bringing it out to uh, the Gentile world. Yeah, well, um, yeah, that's what we're what we're shooting for, yeah. and and praying, believing that God's uh, working out there. I think that's why we do what we do. Maybe Keith, a little bit of reconciliation between Greek and Hebrew here. Um, I, I was actually taught by my Greek professor in seminary, of all people, uh, that John's meaning in the Logos was not the, the typical Greek interpretation that we hear, but that by the Logos, John was talking about the Word of God that created in the beginning, you know, which is a much more Hebrew way of understanding it, and I, I was ironically taught that by my uh, by my. I've read that Greek, in a lot of commentaries. By my Greek professor. Because, yeah. you, you, I, I mean, I read in many Christian commentaries, Bible commentaries, that the Logos was an attempt at John to reach this Greek audience. But um, I don't know that I would really see that being the case, especially at that early stage of Christianity, personally. Right. And so, ironically, it was my Greek professor who taught us that in seminary. Yeah. So, uh, so... 
let me let me kind of finish up with this because it's sort of an application of the stuff that we've talked about, whether it's culturally or um, you know this this biblical language thing. Getting back to sort of like a maybe a, a Hebrew understanding of of the scriptures and that kind of stuff. Um, what do you think is our biggest problem today culturally? Like uh, honestly, whether it's in the I'm West say, or in America. Yeah, yeah. So first of all, I think that the church has has uh, become too much like the world. Uh, you know, I'll give you an example. I went to an evangelical school. Um, unfortunately, I, I call a lot of evangelicals evan politicals. Uh, they can tell me more. They can tell me about. They can tell me more about politics than they can tell me about the Word of God. And I, and I'm not. Listen, I'm not saying we can't. We shouldn't enter into what uh, our country is based on and dealing with what politically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What we need to fight. But I think what's happened is. We've become like the the Wizard of Oz, the, the Emerald City. If the ready, if the if the color of the horse is red, we're red. If yeah. the color of the horse is green, we're green. And I think that's got to shift and it's got to change. What did Jesus say? Be salt, be light. You know, be. We're the change makers. We're not supposed to be the ones that are getting changed. Turn on the television. I mean, yeah. AJ's in TV in the studio right now. I bet he would agree. AJ, does the AJ ever watch TV? Does he Does he ever turn on any TV? I I don't. I watch uh, YouTube and in informational educational things. Your son, your son, does like your son uh, like your program. <laughs> does your son ever watch TV? He, he does kind of the same thing. We we don't we're not real big TV watchers. Um, okay, well he probably know, he, he, he does he watch social media does. like all the other kids do, but you know. Okay, so when so. you turn on television these days, I'm not a big TV fan. Yeah, I, I, I mean it's filth. It's total that. filth. But when you turn on the television these days, you 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 literally see how they're going through the process of brainwashing. Yeah. Us. yeah. And then you've got the church who's starting to look like television. Yeah. It's, 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 so we got to be change makers. I love the fact that, you know, you don't yeah. let him or he doesn't choose to, to do that. But a lot of kids these days are being conditioned. Uh, so what do I say is that we have, have lost our salt taste. Mm. We've lost our, our light. And, and I say we, I don't mean, listen, there's a lot of committed people out there that are that are beating the drum and doing what they need to do. It's just that when you use the word the church, I just feel like the church um, in in these last decades or so, it seems to be it's become a, a little le- less muscleless like you and AJ. Yeah, like they, they they they're not working up, they're not working those muscles. Yeah, and instead yeah. We're kind of being led by the nose by society. And yeah, I we're an overweight. Question lazy church, I think. And, and yeah, it's, I think, I think that, uh, we've been, we've grown up. I mean, all all of us have in a a Christian culture or what we thought was a Christian culture. And so I think that's just made us not realize what people had to go through to create that culture. What what do you think, what do you think the solution is? I mean, because you know, that, that's a big part of what drives me as I look out there. This is going to sound, this is going to sound really archaic. Yeah. Okay. So I'm, I might uh, be I with you have, on this, brother. I'm, I'm kind of, uh, you know, rough and tumble kind of guy, you know. AJ, I used to have a ministry. I, I was a pastor of a church. I was an inner city ministry. I had an athlete's ministry. Um, when I got a hold of just the power of Scripture, um, we created a ministry called Biblical Foundations Academy. And the entire mission is to inspire people to build a biblical foundation for their faith. That is the entire mission of what we do. So when you say to me, hey, do you want to come on a podcast and you talk about biblical issues, I'm there. Because someone might hear something that says, you know what, Do, have I read the Bible? Or is it just in my bathroom? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Do you know yep. there are people, AJ? Do you know, Pastor AJ, there are people who put their Bibles in their bathroom? Jeez, oh man. Wow. Yeah. 
So, so think about this. So you've got, the, you've got this really important book, The God of Creation. You better cut me off pretty soon, Larry, because I'm going to get fired up. The God of Creation. Preach it, brother. Preach it. The this God is... of Creation gives us his word. And we've got people that can tell you right now that are in the church yeah. that have never read, read the Bible from, the, from front yeah. to back. Yeah. So I, I think what, do ju- I think uh... what do I think needs to happen? We've got to help people get back to the Bible, yeah. understand it, language, history, and context, and begin to live it in a way that would be a witness to the world. That's yeah, amen. I am committed to believe, and that's everything that I've been doing is trying to help people build a biblical foundation for their faith. Amen. You know, you know, I think um, when we look at education too, I, we have these some of these modern day myths that are being propagated to our kids from the time they're uh, two years old, that they're, they came from a monkey, that they, da, 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 da. and I'm not saying that's an essential issue for salvation, but I think when we look culturally at where things have gone, I think that, uh, you know, there, there is uh, some of this stuff, and Larry and I have talked about this before, it's, I feel like in the name of science, and I, I like to use air quotes when we talk about science sometimes today, but, um, I feel like it, it's opening the door for paganism, for just a new form of uh, idolatry and paganism and, and things that we saw in yeah. ancient times. You know, it's interesting. I think I'm going to bring your son back into this again. Okay. So because he has access to the Internet, because he has access to information, there's no pulling things over people's eyes anymore. Yeah. You know, you can't stand up on Sunday morning and say, now – you know, A, B, C, and D, and, and your son can go home and search quickly and ask Rabbi Google and find out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Quickly. Rabbi Google. What used, to take, what used to take us to have to go in a library and sit in hours to find, he can find quickly. So what I think pastors, leaders, uh, teachers have to do is they've got to be serious and committed to understanding it themselves and then teach it from there. Yeah. I think that is really, really important. Yeah, I know that it was really important for me, especially with a teenager in the home, uh, speaking of my son, uh, who just ran to the restroom. But um, thinking about how, like, how we need to train that young generation up and teach them that that this book, to take the book seriously, but -hmm. also that it's true. Mm -hmm. This book is true. It's not just a big metaphor. It's not just this, why did, like you were saying, God gave us, the God of the universe gave us this book. Why wouldn't we read it? Why wouldn't we write it on our doorposts like they say in Deuteronomy? Why wouldn't we have it in our city gates? Why wouldn't we invite Christians in prayer and, and beg churches to be involved in our schools and in our political system? This is the, the problem that we have out there. And, and it starts by ingraining it in our children that this book is a myth. That, that you know, well, we, we don't, is, is it literal? Is the first, you know, few, is it literal? I mean, maybe we don't, we don't know. And, and yeah. it's not important. It's not important. It is important. And, and I think that erodes away at our trust, our confidence in the word of God. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I, I think, you know, we're like-minded and that we want to, we want to communi- communicate that truth to other people. I know that's a, a big mission uh, that, that I uh, am very passionate about, but um yeah, so, well, thank you so much, brother, for joining us, Keith. Yeah, thank and, you. Uh, thank brother you. Keith. That's absolutely interesting, uh, how, uh, AJ. We're, we're leading a, uh, uh, in the fall, we're doing a repeat of the tour to Israel. It's called the Prayer and Pilgrimage, uh, a Prayer Pilgrimage to Israel Okay. in the fall. And what's exciting about that is it's international, and the people around the world that will actually come 
And it's at the time of Yom Kippur, which brings us back full circle to what we first started talking about. Uh, and I'm not doing that so much to promote, but to let people know that, you know, there's really something powerful, and you and AJ experienced it. There's really something powerful about being able to open up that book that they say is not real and myth and to open it up and to say, wait, I'm standing in the place where this happened. Or I'm standing in the place yeah. where this revelation came. And so I've been committed to that every year. We're actually doing two tours this year. The one is a, a private one, but this one is public uh, in the fall. So uh, anyone that wants to, you know, prayerfully consider it. And so you're leading, you're leading the tour. Yeah. Oh, fantastic. Okay. on the front page. Tour 2023 Prayer Pilgrimage Tour. It's, okay. it's it's an example of just helping people connect with Scripture, connect with their faith, yeah. connect with prayer, connect with the God, land, and people of Israel. It's amazing to be there. So I know, um, I hope that uh, if there are people that are interested in that, they would they could they could prayerfully consider it. Yeah, fantastic. And where else can people uh, follow you, uh, connect yeah. with you? I'm not. You know, it's interesting right now. Uh, we, I, that's why I'll do pretty much anything. Someone says, you want to do a podcast? If I have time, I'll do it. I, I helped Michael. You know, but, but really, our main thing is our website, bfainternational.com, uh, because that's where you can find everything else. So that's okay. where a lot of okay. free content. Uh, just, you know, I always make sure that we've got, we, they always tell me we've got more content than you can get through in, 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 a, in, a, in a while. So yeah. uh, go to bfainternational.com, front page, all sorts of opportunities to, to learn language, history, and context in Scripture. Amen. Is there a link to the uh, uh, Root Awakening program on, uh, on there, your the Root episodes on there? Uh, YouTube channel, AR, Root Awakening's YouTube channel. I've got okay. a lot of stuff there, playlists. I've done some teaching with Nehemiah there. We've done, and then, of course, we have Hebrew Gospel Pearls that's on Facebook and YouTube. That's something we're in. I think we're up to Chapter 5, and we must have about 64 different episodes. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> okay, okay. How's, how's Nehemiah Gospel doing now? Pearls. How's, how's Nehemiah doing now? Yeah, he's doing well. I'll see him in a couple of weeks. He'll be at uh, Passover with me um, in a, just about about a month. Uh-huh. He came into this area to a synagogue about uh, well, 10 years ago or so. I, yeah, yeah. I had met him there, and uh, after that— you I call him Dr. Nehemiah Gordon now. He's got his PhD. <laughs> oh, okay, <laughs> doctor, okay. But uh, after that, I started to listen to you uh, every Saturday— uh, we're doing the uh, parishas with the Hemi yeah. and a uh, person, I forget his name, from Aus- Australia. and uh, Jonah. Jonah, yeah. there you go. Yeah, and it was uh, very informative, very interesting and educational, yeah. It's funny, those things live, you know, because we do those, we've been doing those for years, and every every week we have a, uh, you know, the section that has been read around the world, and we just right. did, a, you know, commentary on that. So those are Torah pearls, prophet pearls, and now Hebrew gospel yes, pearls. right, right. Yeah, I love it. Well, uh, hey, thank you guys so much. Uh, very excited again to have uh, all, all of you here. Thank you. Yes, thank you so much, uh, Brother Keith, and also to my co-host for the day, Larry. Thank you so much for being here. Um, I, I just want to encourage you, if you have never done it before, I want to encourage you to go to a church. Uh, go to a, a church that preaches the Bible. Um, I'll typically, when we're on the podcast here, I'll lead you in a call to come to know Christ. And uh, I, coming to know Christ changed my life many years ago. It all started for me when I started reading the Bible for the first time. Uh, the words of the Bible are true. You can trust them. Uh, you, can, you can put your faith in them. Uh, and you can come to know Christ in a way that will just be life-changing for you. So, again, thank you so much to our guests for joining us today. And we'll see you next time, guys. Peace out. Peace out.